Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Jesus. I have grace. Now listen, you also have mercy today. Amen. We're going to talk about mercy today, but if we didn't have mercy, where would we be? Amen. God saw us and he knew that without Jesus, there would not be a way for us. So he offered his mercy to us. And uh, I believe God has a good word for all of you today. I want you to give Justin, our drummer, a big hand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Justin. Hallelujah. I I love this worship team, but I say to Justin often because he's just a young guy, but he puts up with all of us. Hallelujah. And we try to jam right along with him. But I tell you, if you don't have those drums over there, we have a major situation to get music like this. So uh, let's just thank God today for what we have. Let's not look at what we don't have. Let's look at what God has provided us. Amen. Father, we thank you today in this house. We thank you that each person here today has health. We believe for that in Jesus' name from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. That they have an abundance in their life for every good work. Because you said that when we have abundance, we're able to do things that bless you, that cause people to bless you. So we thank you that we're an abundant body in this church. That we have more than enough for every good work. I thank you, Lord, that in this place, we are delivered from every wicked spirit in Jesus' name. Nothing can hold us. Nothing can bind us. Nothing can stop us from the will and plan of God because we have been saved, delivered, and healed. I want you all to say that. I have been saved, delivered, and healed. Yes, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to make our confession, and um, and then you can be seated. But we make this confession if you're visiting with us today. Um, we believe that when you confess with your mouth, just like for salvation, when you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, that those words begin to produce life in you, life in me. And that sometimes we can read things, but when we say it out loud, it's like it starts being more real to us. And uh, I believe it puts the enemy on notice that we're beginning to speak what we believe and not what we see. Amen. So let's say this. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Give somebody a high five or one of those knuckle things and you can be seated. Hallelujah. God is good. I have to share this um, because it just was it just was so uh, funny the other night after service on Wednesday night. My sister, um, Pastor Chris, who's up here singing with us in the service, she's gone on over now with the children. But um, she and Morgan were over with the children on Wednesday night. And a lot of the children had been in I-STEP testing for three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because this, these are children first grade to fifth grade. And, um, so they were a little wound up. They were, they were a little wild and crazy and having the hard to settle. How, how many of you have ever had children in your house that might've been a little hard to settle? You know, you try to settle, but they're still bouncing. And, um, and so my sister said to them, uh, does anybody here know what Lent is? And uh, your little Cammie raised her hand. She goes, I know. Lent is in the dryer. <laughs> because I take the Lent out of the dryer. That's my job. <laughs> She's first grade. I thought that was so cute. 
you know, children say things that are so special because they just live in the world the way they see it. And, and she knew what Lent was. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got such a kick out of that. You've raised really darling children over there. Yeah, Ed and Aaron over there in the corner, they, they're a blessing. And their children are so full of the love of God. So she's real quick to answer. She likes to answer questions. And so she had the answer for that one right on, right on time. Uh, everybody say Lent. <laughs> Lent is more than what you get in the dryer. Hallelujah. It's a season in the church where people, um, you know, oftentimes give up things for Lent. Uh, it's a time of sacrificing. Uh, I use it in my life as a time to just reflect on where I'm at in my walk with God. Uh, am I further along this year than I was a year ago? I mean, have I grown? Uh, oftentimes God will give me a book in the Bible to really focus on. Uh, sometimes we share that in the services, but I encourage all of you from now until Easter, uh, we'll celebrate what, what God did miraculously through Jesus and his sacrifice. But I believe we have a part to play in our victory in the earth. And that comes by where we're walking in our walk with God at this time, our faith, whatever that is in our lives, every one of us at a different position. Certainly we just allow everybody to be where they are. I heard Pastor Billy Joe say once, don't try to pull somebody up your ladder, go down to their step and sit with them and bring them up the ladder with you. Don't try to jerk them up the ladder. And that's true because some people then feel condemnation. How many of you felt condemnation before you were saved? That's the enemy's way of trying to bring us into submission. But God's way is conviction to let us know how much he loves us, what he's provided for us, and how he wants to help us become all that we're called to be. And today, we're going to talk about you can start over. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. You know, you may be, <laughs> no matter what age you are, there's situations and circumstances that happen in our life where we have things that we feel like we could have done, should have done, would have done, had we known more about the situation, had we had more information, uh, maybe because of emotions or situations, we've done things that we wished we hadn't done. But there's no backward in the kingdom of God. Everything in the kingdom of God, everything in the word of God is forward. But by God's grace, by his mercy, everybody say mercy, uh, we can go forward always, no matter what the situation, no matter how bad we believe we've messed it up or somebody else believes we messed it up or no matter how bad somebody else messed it up for us. Everybody say mercy. Mercy provides in all those areas for God's grace, his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness to operate in our lives. And mercy really has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God. And so if we put up Lamentations for me this morning, this is the scripture we're going to look at. It's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Everybody say praise the Lord. Because his compassions fail not. And then this is my very favorite. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's mercy is new every morning. I ask him to sing that song at the offering. And I know we've sung it quite a bit lately, but we've talked about grace, love. We talked about unity last week. And, and when I was starting this series uh, this week, as I was praying about it, I didn't really ever think about sharing mercy uh, with you can start over. But I felt like the Lord said to me, that's where you need to start because it's my mercy that gives people an opportunity 
to start over. And today's subtitle is, It's Not Over. Would you tell somebody beside you, It's Not Over? You know, uh, we had a man out in Tulsa who wrote a song once, and it was called It's Not Over. And, and he said, It's not over until we see Jesus. It's not over until the work on this earth is done and we see Jesus. That's when it's over. So as long as we have breath, as long as we're in this earth, we have an opportunity to start over. And there's many, you know, ways that people uh, get in a position to start over. I was thinking of my dad and my mom when I was starting this message because um, my dad, when he was about 50, my mom was close to that age, um, they decided to make a change in their lives that was a drastic change for what they had done their whole life. Now, uh, my dad worked as a tool and die maker in a factory in Logansport, and then he decided to start his own business with a cousin. So he had started that business, tool and die, and then he went into plastic molding. So he started that business. And all of those things prospered with my dad. Uh, my sister, Chris, worked with them, um, always with my dad and my mom. And uh, at that age, it's not an age, especially all of us were grown except my sister, Lisa. We have a baby sister who's 16 years younger than me. So she was nine at the time. She was going into fourth grade. And my parents decided to make this not only change in their profession, but move. And they moved from Logansport where they lived down here to Lafayette, went into business, the shoe business. How many of you know that does not sound like tool and die, plastic, I mean, it doesn't sound like any of those things. But my mother uh, really liked that idea. And my cousins were here. They had five-point bargains. And they wanted to put something else in there. And so they were good friends. They were always uh, doing things together and helped each other in businesses. So they uprooted and they brought my sister down here and changed her school, changed everything in their life, and went into business as a shoe store. Well, you know, uh, that was not my dad. Uh, he, he's a, he was the bean counter. My mother and Chris were the shoe people. They liked to sell them, but they liked to wear them more. <laughs> so they bought really nice shoes, uh, everything that they liked. And, uh, but daddy was the bean counter. And uh, I remember one time some lady brought a shoe and it wasn't, it was all worn and it, the heel was falling off. And, and, you know, daddy said to her, <laughs> Well, it's not the shoe. She wanted to return it. He said, it's, it's because you weigh too much for that shoe. Well, right after that, I think they moved him to the men's clothing store and uh, told him, you sell men's shoes. You're not coming over here with these ladies anymore. But uh, they were very prosperous. They had that shoe store. Eventually, they had one on the west side. Then they had one over in Danville, Illinois, and uh, one on the south end of town. Um, they prospered, I believe, because God directed them to do that. He brought them here. And you know, when God directs us to do things, we don't need to be afraid to start over. We don't need to say, well, you know, that part of my life's over. I'm just going to sit here and do what I've been doing because I'm successful in it. And you know, after all, he'd already started three other places. And so why would he want to do something like sell shoes? Well, I don't know that he really wanted to sell shoes, but he felt like this was where they were to come. And I'm thankful that they came because they were here when we started the church. They'd already paved ground. My mother had already been playing in all the nursing homes with my sister. And so we just plugged right in with them and became uh, in, the, in the nursing homes. We added another dimension to what they were doing and brought the church things into the nursing home. Everybody say, God knows what's going on. You can always start 
over. And I think we limit ourselves at any age. Everybody say at any age. When we say, well, you know, I'm just cruising in, you know, I'm just holding my pew till Jesus comes or I meet him face to face. You know, I'm just, I'm on cruise control. Well, you know, I think, I think God wants to hit the gas pedal on a few people's lives and shoot them forward. And you can start over, even if you've made a mess. How many of you have ever made a mess and then thought, well, I tried it, didn't work, so I'm not going to do that again. Oftentimes, and as I was preparing this message, uh, I was in the book of Mark. And uh, I'm not going to go to all these verses today, but if you want to look at it, um, you know, you can read in the book of Mark how uh, he was... He was with Paul, who we know wrote uh, the epistles in the Bible. He wrote a lot of the New Covenant. Uh, Paul's mentor was a, a man named Barnabas. And the two of them went on the first missionary journey that Paul took uh, together. And they took along this young man named John Mark. Well, you know, I've read the Bible through lots of times, and I don't know why, but it just never registered in my mind that that's the same Mark who wrote the book of Mark. But on that first missionary trip, he, I don't know what happened in Maxwell's Bible. He said it must have been fear. He must have been intimidated, but he ran off from the assignment. He, he left and Paul said he deserted them. And so when it came time for the second missionary journey, uh, they were going to invite uh, Barnabas wanted to invite Mark to go with them again. And, and Paul said, no, because he already deserted us once. I, he's not coming with us. And, uh, but eventually, everybody say eventually, see Barnabas took him, Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas, um, you know, and so, but at the end of Paul's life, when he was in prison in Rome, in, in the last part of the book of Acts, you can read it. He said, get Mark because he is useful to me in ministry. Well, what happened? He started over somewhere. He got back into what was his calling, and he eventually, when Paul needed him, he was there and he was ready. Everybody say ready. But there was a Barnabas. There was somebody who took him under their wing and helped him restore him. And so sometimes in the you can start over process, we're the mentor instead of the person starting over. How many of you in here have had to start over at, in, in something in your life? Uh, you know, many people, I believe, that are coming in the revival we're about to have are going to need to start over. I believe God has given us opportunity, my husband and I, as pastors of this church, to be involved in people starting over. Uh, in, in just lives of some of you that are sitting here today that I could just name, that God has had us uh, believe when nobody else would believe, to stand when nobody else would stand because of the mercy. Everybody say the mercy, the mercy of the Lord, not because we think we can do anything, but we are trusting that the mercy of God is going to operate on that person's behalf. And let me, let me give you this definition of mercy, and maybe that'll help you see how much God's given you mercy. Uh, mercy is a kind or forgiving treatment of someone who should have been treated harshly. Compassion or forbearance. Uh, forbearance is a quality of someone who is patient and able to deal with a difficult person. Do any of you know a difficult person? Yeah, I see that. The hands go up real fast. Okay. A difficult person. This is somebody who can forbear with someone. A difficult person or situation without becoming angry. 
without saying, I've told you enough times. I'm not telling you anymore. How many of you have brought people to church here and you thought, oh, this is going to be their day to get it. And then they don't get it. And then you think, okay. You know, I, I heard somebody say once, you know, you can't say to somebody when you're witnessing to them and they don't receive it. Well, well, just go to hell then. You can't say that because that's not mercy. Everybody say that's not mercy. You know, I don't want them to go to hell. But you know how frustrating it is when you're trying to help somebody and they're just not getting it. Mercy will help you go the extra mile with that situation. And then it says, um, it says uh, that you can show that especially to an offender. A blessing that is an act of divine favor, charity, clemency, lenience. Now listen to this. Mercy implies compassion that forbears. That's that person that can be with difficult people, not get mad. Punishing even when justice demands it. In other words, they're going to let it go even though you deserve it. Does that sound like Jesus? Yeah, even though we deserve death, he, uh, for, he had forbearance for us, even though we were still sinners. We weren't even here yet. But God in his mercy made a way for us. And so that's what mercy does. And, you know, of course, uh, I was thinking of Paul because, you know, um, before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. Uh, he was Saul, and then he got to start over, and his name became Paul. How many of you would like to change your name so as you're not known by who you used to be? Hallelujah. I remember when we first started here, Pastor Bill went down to the newspaper. Some of you might have heard this story. And it was fun when we came back here. This is not my hometown, but it is my husband's. And he went to the newspaper. And when he went in there, uh, the guy looked at him. He said, are you the Bill Mickler that went to school with me? And Bill said, oh, no, he died. Well, that started us out on a good foot with the Journal and Courier because he was pretty high up in the Journal and Courier. But Bill was serious. That man died, and the mercy of God is applied to my life, and that's why I'm here today. And, and we, he experienced that everywhere he went. I don't know what he did in high school, but he was pretty well known. Hallelujah. That's all I'm going to say. So mercy was available uh, to Paul. Uh, the mercies of God. Now, when God stopped him on that road, he said, why are you kicking against the goads? What he was saying was, why are you going against me and what I have for you? Well, he was the one who watched Stephen be stoned. Uh, he was in a position of God saying judgment, not mercy. But God had a plan. Everybody say God had a plan. Turn to your name and say, he has a plan for you. And so his mercy is available for wherever you are today, whatever that is that you're walking in. Now, um, I know that in the world, there are a lot of people that just, they just don't have mercy. But the Bible says in Romans 12 that, and, and you can pray for this in 12, I think it's about verse eight. It says that the, the body of Christ has been given gifts, all different kinds of gifts. And one of those gifts is mercy. Some people, how many of you know people that are so merciful that you think there's something wrong with them? I mean, you're sure something's wrong. Uh, there's people who operate in such mercy. Miriam is a merciful person. Miriam will just keep going and helping and doing. I mean, sometimes I have to say, okay, Miriam, that's it. 
you know, uh, you know, because you can go too far in mercy. Everybody say too far in mercy that enables people and gives them a license to do what they're doing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the mercy of God. When is the mercy of God apply? When God has something in that person that he's trying to do and he sees that person's heart change and go toward him. The mercy of God goes to rescue that person immediately in that situation. And you say, well, I've known people that they did that and then they fell away. All we're responsible for is to do what God tells us to do in that situation. We are not the judge. Turn somebody and say, you are not the judge. Hallelujah. So Paul obtained mercy. Now I'm going to show you this because Paul himself shared this in first Timothy. He's talking about how God called him into the ministry. And, uh, I, I always felt like this was kind of my life because I, I know that I certainly, uh, did not get put in the ministry because of what I could do, but what, what God would do. And it says in verse 12 of first Timothy, and he's talking to Timothy, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. That's grace. Remember, we talked about grace because he's counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly, how many of you have a formerly in your life? Hallelujah. It's under the blood. Hallelujah. If you've repented, it's under the blood. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained what? What did he obtain? That, that's why he became Paul. That's why he became the man that God used so many times to bring people what Jesus said they could have because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I'm sure there were people who said, oh, no, you were right there. You saw it. You knew what they were doing to Stephen, and you, you even held the clothes while they stoned him to death. You knew. You knew. How many of you know those people? You know, those are the people that are the judge of where God wants to offer mercy, and it causes people to fall away from who really God is. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. This is Paul speaking about who he is and why he's doing what he's doing. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, what reason? Because of the mercy because of the, the mercy of God, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Everybody say mercy. Mercy. Now, I want to obtain mercy if it means that I'm going to get to do all those things that Paul did. I want to get in the line that says mercy. Mercy here. Receive mercy here. Jesus made a way for Paul. And it says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern. Everybody say a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. What he was saying was, my life is going to be an example of God's mercy. It's going to show the world how merciful God is and what he will do. And if you study the end of Paul's life, when he was called before all the people who could judge him, all the people who could uh, sign a death sentence to him, uh, you know, Festus and all those that were the ones that he was drugged before that he eventually went to Rome. When he was in that position, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What he's saying is that mercy that God gave me, I walked in that mercy, and I did what God gave me to do. Um, two, two examples I want to give today uh, for, for today, because I believe there may be some of you here today that you've thought it's over, and God has so much more, because his, his, 
His dreams are much bigger than what our dreams are. We have to receive those dreams from him. But um, my Uncle Gene, and some of you know the story. Some of you don't know who that is. But uh, my Uncle Gene was an alcoholic. Um, He was in six rehab centers and failed in every one of them to get the victory over the alcohol, though, because he was such a smart man, he was a principal in a 5A school up in Michigan City. Uh, brilliant guy. Uh, because he was so smart, he could, he could get his way through all of that and get out because it looked like he had the victory because he, he practically could teach it. But he didn't have the victory. And uh, we led him to the Lord. He ended up uh, falling back. The, the last rehab he went to before he came to Tulsa, uh, we led him to Jesus. But he had nobody to support him, nobody to, to mentor him, no Barnabas, nobody who was saying, you're going to make it, you can do this. Uh, you know, God's mercy is there for you. you can, it's not about how bad you've been. How many of you know that you have a lot more thoughts about how bad you are than you do about how good you are? Isn't that true? I mean, the enemy is constantly assailing our thought life. And so he failed and he went back in that, uh, in that rehab place and got back out. And he was watching television, saw Brother Roberts, Oral Roberts on television saying, we have a rehab center in Tulsa in the city of faith. Now, prior to that, after we led him to the Lord, I was sitting in a church service uh, there at Victory on the front row. And I heard, it was, Billy Joe was preaching, but I heard, this, and I wrote it down, your uncle will be an administrator in the Christian school. I thought, well, that'll be the day because he's back in another rehab center. I don't see how that could ever be, but everybody say mercy, God's mercy. He called me after he saw that and said, can I come? Can I come to Tulsa and go to this rehab? Will you help me get in? Just so happened one of the nurses on that floor was in Victory Bible Institute, right there in our classroom every day. She made a way for him to get in. And he came down. He drove all the way from Michigan City to St. Louis. He stopped in a rest area and threw all of his liquor away because he knew he couldn't come to my house drunk. And he wouldn't. He calls me the warden today, still. But it wasn't a warden that would hurt him. It was a warden who would stand and tell the devil, you will never have him again. And, uh, and, and there was some enforcing. Everybody say enforcing. The mercy of God sometimes enforces us to get in that place where we're going to get the victory. And it's a hard place. Michael, you've been there? Yeah. It, it can be a hard place. But in that hard place, the mercy of God is coming if that person will cry out to Jesus. And he was crying out to Jesus. He came to our house. I mean... His car was so bad, I sent my middle son to meet him and, uh, and bring him to our house because he didn't know how to get there. And when he brought him, he ran in the house ahead of him and said, it's bad, it's bad, it's really bad. He is really bad. He looks bad. His car's bad. Everything's bad, Mom. And <laughs> because he was just a teenager, you know, and Uncle Gene's coming to live with us. And uh, so we took him to rehab. Long story short, he got set free. This time, this time, he said... I know how to teach the course, but I've never met the Holy Spirit before. And when they went to pray for him the first night he was there, he fell down under the power of God and laid there for 20 minutes, woke up crying and said, I don't know what happened. 
I don't know how to fall down. That's what he was saying as other people were falling under the power. He said, I'm not going to fall because I don't know how. And then he woke up there crying. Never was, never went back to alcohol again. Done. Finished. He had one little slip of over a girl and man, immediately he jerked himself back to the things of God and got it turned around. You know why? Mercy. Ended up the principal of our Christian school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a big Christian school. Why? Mercy. How to get there? I mean, how do you walk in? How do you get that grace? Well, for him, when he got out, he had to have somewhere to live. So he lived with us. And uh, my husband said, he's going to Bible school. I said, okay. So he worked digging ditches in the daytime. Now he's, he's a principal of a high school. He's got a, a, a good education. He almost had his doctorate when everything started going bad in his life. And so he's lost his job, lost his marriage, and he's digging ditches. And we're making him go to Bible school at night. And so he come home. He was so tired. I said, you're going to Bible school. Here's your dinner. And by the way, don't wash your white underwear with your blue jeans anymore. You say, what's that got to do with him? Because he needs to care about who he is. I said, you wash your white underwear with whites and you wash your dark clothes with darks. And that's the way you do it. And I will be looking. (laughs) Why did I do that? Because he had to have someone who began to put value in his life. God's mercy isn't all about, oh, sweetie, it's okay. You just go ahead and sin. That's not mercy. That's not mercy. Mercy of God brings us to a place where we live life again. And uh, to this day, he just sent me a text the other day. He was coming down to see my mom. He said, Warden, tell her I'll be there at 10 till 7. I said, okay. <laughs> I love it that he calls me Warden because it's, a, it's a, a word of love. He told my husband once, I don't know how you live with her. He took my husband to church one day because I drove separately. He said, I don't get it. How do you live with her? He said, well, I think she's just trying to help you. He goes, I know, but she's, she always knows stuff. I mean, she just knows stuff. How, how does that happen? Well, when you're, when you're operating with, as the Barnabas in somebody's life, everybody say, I need to be that. When you're being that, you got to hear from God because it isn't, oh, yeah, that's just fine. No. There are things that God wants to do to increase their life. And, you know, he began to, he began to like his white underwear better than medium blue or whatever color came out. Hallelujah. You say, that's, that's not a stupid thing. No, listen, I believe it worked. I believe God showed me to, in that area to do that. Now, I want to tell you, he bought Coke like it was going out of style. He had cases of Coke. He had a Coke in his hand the whole time. I told the Lord, I don't like him having that Coke in his hand because it looks like a beer. God said, you just leave that alone. I'll take care of the Coke later. See, mercy, mercy knows how to help people get where they're going to go. We, we, we have judgment. I mean, we can get into judgment. Maybe you don't. I know you all are perfect out here, but I can get into judgment because I think I'm going to help and it's not God's help. Everybody say mercy, mercy. And, uh, you know, you may not be called to be the person that does this in somebody's life. You're just the person to pray that God sends somebody that can do this in that person's life that you're believing for, you know, uh, some people's lives I can't speak into. I was assigned to my uncle and, uh, and then uh, uh, he eventually, uh, ended up going to Texas everywhere he went. It was like Joseph, he, he prospered. He prospered because of the mercy of God. Today, he's still teaching in Michigan City. He just had his 73rd birthday 
And he's now teaching kids <laughs> that need mercy. He's got the, the young people that are in middle school that have been put out of regular school and are in like a detention type room. And uh, he told me, he said, I had this one kid, every time I'd say something, he'd say, I don't care. I don't care. He said, I'd try to, you know, work. I don't care. He said, one day he comes to my desk. He said, I, I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom. He said, I don't care. <laughs> that ended the I don't cares for the rest of the time. They're good buddies now. He, because he knew that my uncle loved him. He can love because he's had mercy. He gives mercy. But he's, his mercy is to help them be better. Amen? See, that's the way God works. And so um, today, if you're here, uh, the first step to obtaining the mercy of God is to repent. Everybody say repent. Most people who need mercy, I have found, uh, they need mercy, but they think that all their problems are because of somebody else. The first person that you need to look at, all of us, is ourselves. And God will show us where that shortcoming is in our life. That hook, if you will, of where the enemy can get us. Because if we blame our shortcomings on somebody else, we will never get free. There are always things in our life that we have to fix. Uh, My life still, there are things. When God, if I want the mercy of God, I've got to be willing to admit I need the mercy of God. Because in this area, I need to repent. And there are things, all of us, if we, if we tap into that, we'll have the mercy of God. Uh, my nephew, for those of you who know my husband's in Colorado, he, uh, we've talked about my nephew. He got out at 3 a.m. yesterday morning. And uh, Pastor Bill, <laughs> I think he was up all night, and he was still going strong last night when I talked to him. He did say, I'm getting a little tired, honey. I think I need to come home. <laughs> but uh, he had been out with him all day, took him, showed him where the apartment is, where he'll be living uh, he wanted a Bible. And my husband said, it, he weeps when he talks to me on the phone. He said, it's just amazing what, what has happened in his life. It's, it's totally different. He, he talks about the Bible. And uh, he said, he told me his favorite book is Philippians. And he said, I told him, well, your grandpa, my dad, my, my father, John, he said, uh, you know, your grandpa, John's favorite scripture was in, in Philippians. He said, what one? He said, four, six through eight. And he said, immediately, he quoted the scripture to him. In total, the whole scripture, all three verses. So we know he's been in the Bible. He said, I'm, my favorite is 413. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's telling him all these things he's going to do with his life. And Bill took him and got him a Bible. And uh, he said, it's, it's just totally different. I'm telling you, that mercy of God, he, he finally received it. He repented. And when you repent, the Bible says in the book of Acts that when you repent, there's a refreshing that comes. Everybody say refreshing. What that is, um, I remember Pastor Sharon Doherty, I was traveling with her and she was preaching and she said, you know, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ today who are doing sin. They're, They're doing things that are sin and they don't think they have to repent, but then they don't ever get that refreshing She said, the refreshing only comes after we repent. There's no refreshing from just saying, oh, I'm a Christian. I have everything. But when you're in things that you shouldn't be, as soon as you repent, it's like, woo. How many of you ever experienced that? You know, it just, it's just such a release. And the refreshing of God comes back on a person's life. Everybody say mercy. 
That's the first step. The second step that I felt God showed me was we have to renew our mind. Everybody say, renew my mind. Now, you have help with this because it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're going to look at it right now. It says that when I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What's available to help you do this? The mercy of God. To present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what I, as my husband shared with me, that's what I saw, that, that Matt has renewed his mind this year that he's been in jail. He, he decided, and when he came out, he said, I love the Bible. And Bill said, what kind of Bible do you have? He said, well, the only Bible I had was the jail Bible. <laughs> they gave me a Bible, but I had to leave it. And so that's why Bill got him a Bible. And he said, I don't want a plain Bible. I don't want to just read the Bible, although he's been doing our reading plan ever since he's, Bill sent it to him back in the fall. So he's been reading through the Bible. But he said, I want one that teaches me while I read. Well, see, that's, that's someone who's opened their heart. Everybody say, open their heart for the word of God to come in and by the mercies of God, not because of anything he's done, but by the mercy of God, he's beginning to receive a word that brings life into his, into his heart and into his mind. And then the last one the Lord gave me was number three, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. Mercy is a faith, a faith thing. It's not a, um, you know, well, I forgive you. How many of you have had people that you uh, have been in a situation with where they say, oh, I forgive you, but then they're right back on you again, yeah, right away. Yeah, that's not mercy. That's not mercy. Mercy is willing to give people however many opportunities it takes to get it accomplished. Amen? Uh, I thank God for mercy in my life. And, you know, if, you, if you've had to have a lot of mercy, you're a lot more willing to give a lot of mercy. Some people aren't even merciful with themselves. I mean, they're, they're on themselves all the time about being better. How many of you might know somebody like that? And, and how many of you have ever had where you think, well, I, I need to do this. Well, I should have done this. Well, I, you know, I could have done that. I, the enemy will try to drive you in your walk, even with God. Mercy doesn't do that. Mercy doesn't do that. And Jesus sees where you are today. When we walk by faith and not by sight, we're able to walk in a fight that only faith can win. Everybody say, only faith can win the fight. Because Jesus made that faith available to us. I mean, we live by faith and not by sight. Because it says in Romans chapter 1, it says this gospel that we that we all share in this church, that we all read and talk about, it has power. Everybody say power. It has power to bring a change in our life, but it's because of the mercy of God. For you, for me, for those we love, I'm going to pray for you today, first of all, that you would receive mercy, but also that you would be givers of mercy. Because I believe this last um, revival, this big revival we're going to see, uh, our there's going to be a lot of people coming who are going to need a lot of mercy. And they're going, to, they're going to need to know they can have mercy. Because the reason that they're so caught up in things, I experienced this with my nephew, uh, with uh, Matt. They feel so bad about themselves that they can't even give themselves mercy. So somebody is going to have to be that Barnabas 
to be the person who says, it's, it's okay, you can start over. It's not over. It's not over till it's over, and it's not over yet. Not until we see Jesus. Amen.